0: Welcome to the TJ Malden Leadership Podcast, where we talk about life, leadership, and the gospel. Welcome back to the TJ Malden Leadership Podcast. This is season two, episode number one. Listen, I have... I've missed you. I've missed being in this room. I've missed being around these lights in front of these cameras. And more importantly, I've missed the crew. Graco on sound engineering. We got Ryan, we got Griffin, we got Lindley. The whole crew's here today. They're just hanging out, making sure this thing doesn't just completely catch on fire and burn to the ground with me at the helm. Okay. So we are, I'm so glad to be back. And today I wanted to kind of lead this Launch this season was something that I've been thinking about lately, uh, especially when it comes in when it comes to success. Like, be like, everybody wants to know, right? Like, if you if you Google what does it mean to be successful, you will get a million different things. Like, oh, just do this. Wake up at four a.m. You know, like drink three cups of coffee. By the time it's nine o'clock, you know, like go to bed by four p.m. in the afternoon. You'll get all these crazy things. Well, today f- for you, I've just really got four simple things that I've learned. And really even thinking about these things and digging in these things, um, it was spurred by a conversation I heard someone having about Michael Jordan one time. Now, arguably, listen, my top three would be Michael, Kobe, LeBron. All right, that's my top three. If you're saying, TJ, we don't listen to the NBA, we don't like him, yet. it doesn't matter. So I don't care. That's who I like, right? Michael Jordan, I think, is the GOAT. Then Kobe Bryant, his work ethic, supersedes almost anyone in the game. And then LeBron James, I don't necessarily like him all that much. I think he's got a little too much King James to him, but whatever. He's amazing. I was listening to a, a story, though, told about Michael Jordan. And the guy said, Michael, what made you so successful? What has made you so good at this game this craft this skill this the the game of basketball what's made you so good and he leaned up and he said listen you know a lot of people say well you you know you're a great three-point you know you can you can jam from the three-point line you can you can work your way in faster than anybody what aspect of your game has made you so successful and this is the thing that he said that just kind of blew me away he said I was teachable I was coachable He was like, if I made a mistake and I was criticized, I would listen to that criticism from my coach. And the next move, the next play, I would make those mental notes and I would shift my play to make up for those failures. He said, so, and this is Michael Jordan, arguably the greatest of all time basketball player of all time, saying the thing that made me great, the thing that made me successful was the ability to be coached. So today, listen, I just want to kind of jump in on that conversation and give you four keys to being coachable. The first key, uh, if you're taking notes, you can jot this down. We might have these in the show notes for you afterwards in a link, but the first one is receive information with humility. Like to be coachable, like number one, somebody's going to tell you like, (laughs) you're doing this wrong, or here's a better way to do something that you're currently doing. So Receive information with humility. Proverbs eleven fourteen says, where there is no guidance, a people falls, but in an abundance of counselors there is safety. And Proverbs twenty eighteen says plans are established by counsel, but by, by wise guidance wage war. So what they're saying, like what even the scriptures, the ancient text of the Old Testament are telling us before you go into battle, before you go into a game, before you begin to build a house, before you begin to launch in anything, begin to receive information with humility. And listen, especially when you're passionate about something. I've noticed this in my life. I can look back on as a young worship leader, uh, when I used to just travel around the country and I had a guitar and I would lead worship and like I had a way and I could sing. So I was going to do it my way. And for a little, there was a season there where I was just kind of caught up in my ego and my pride. And when someone would make suggestions, I wouldn't heed those suggestions. And it got to a point to where gigs were kind of slacking off for me. I was realizing I was kind of rubbing people the wrong way uh, with my ego. And so I started listening to some of the older worship leaders and even friends around me that started saying, hey, man, why don't you think about doing it this way? Or why don't you, have you ever thought about doing this? Or, you know, maybe don't always keep your eyes closed when you're leading worship. Open your eyes so that the crowd knows that you're there with them. Little things that I had to receive great information But if I wasn't humble, I could have never received the information. So one of the great keys to being coachable, for being teachable, is enter into every learning moment with humility. Every opportunity that you have to receive information, receive it with humility. It may not always be right information. I'll say that. It might always be correct information. But if you start from a baseline of humility... God can use that in your life, and you can use that humility to grow. I'll say this as well. Humility will take you a lot further than your gifting will. Like, your willingness to be humble and receive information will put you around people that know more than you and want to share it with you because you're humble, because you're kind, because you're teachable, because you're coachable. If you have an ego and you think you're all that and you think you're the best thing since sliced bread and you're the best in your field, nobody can tell you anything— you'll find that you'll be isolated on an island eventually. That happened to me. I had the first guy in my band, uh, his name was Nick, he belled on me. The second guy, his name was Johnny, you're gonna actually hear him on the podcast, he belled on me. And this was a time of my life where I was so filled with my pride and my ego, I thought, oh, I'm just, this train's just moving too fast, and they just gotta get off, you know? Like, oh, I'm, I'm going places, and these guys, you know, they just can't keep up with the grind. Well, really, what it was, I was just an egotistical jerk and nobody wanted to be around me because I wouldn't receive information with humility. So that's the first key like, receive information with humility. Now, I'll give you three ways, right, that you can, um, still under point number one, but three ways that you can receive information. Number one, and I would say this to anybody anywhere find a mentor. Find someone who's been there, who's done that, and they have the T-shirt. Right, preferably not the airbrush one from Panama City, but someone who's been there, somebody who's done that, somebody who's got the T-shirt. Like, find a mentor who will speak into your life, who will create time in their schedule to add value to your life and to speak into your life. The second thing: books, magazines, articles. I've shared this before in season one, but I'm an avid bow hunter. I love to uh, I love to bow hunt New Mexico. Uh, I love to chase elk uh, in New Mexico. I love to chase whitetail deer in Illinois. I I love to hunt. And so when I got into hunting, I had stacks on stacks on stacks of hunting magazines. I just read and I read and I read. So I had a mentor. His name was Kurt Scott. Um, He's actually from Tipton. And uh, he mentored me on like how to call a turkey, how to like what to do turkey hunting. He mentored me on whitetail hunting and it, like he just spoke into my life and I was listening because I was hungry for it. Well, at some point, uh, and also in today's world, I guess I could say this way, you have the internet, right? Like, like the excuse of, I don't know, like does not work in 2023. Like, hey, how do, how do I get better at paint, being a painter? Like anyone, You can pull up 453,000 Bob Ross tutorials and you can paint a tree with happy doves around it, okay? Anybody can do that because the internet has made information so accessible, but information alone and wisdom alone is not enough. And that's where point number two comes in. See, if you have your mentor speaking to your life and you have magazine articles and books that you've read and you've inundated yourself with information, even went on the internet and you've Googled, you know, like how to trade stocks or whatever, and you you've you've learned all this stuff. If you never, if it never goes, if it's never transmitted to application, then you miss out. Like if you receive all of this information in humility and you learn, you could be a treasure chest of information but you're no better than a book, right? A book that can't talk. That's literally, literally what you would be if you don't apply the information. So you say, TJ, what do you, what do you mean apply the information? Put it to work. The things that you're, things that you're passionate about, the things that you want to do, the things that you've been learning, begin to put them to work. And you say, well, TJ, I'm not perfect at it. You're right. You're not going to be. You are going to absolutely fail from time to time. And so for me, this is the way... And y'all, you've you been listening long enough, you know, like like I got a weird brain, but the way it reads out in my in my mind, if it was like a, a, a receipt being printed out of a machine, this is how I've seen so many things that have led to success in my life. This is how they go. I've, I've been inundated with information. I get the information. I practice it. I fail, <laughs> and I practice it, and I fail, and I practice it, and I fail. But then I realize there's there's a point. If you can hang on to the practice through the practice and the failure— if you can endure through the practice and a failure, there's a moment, and I can't tell you if it's a weekend, two weeks in, 10 years in, I have no idea, but there's a moment that a, a switch will flip and the practice will transfer from practice to failure, to from practice to proficiency. And you'll realize that all these little adjustments, all these little things that you've learned, all these little things that you've, you know, you, you've taken into the lab and you've experimented with, and sure, they've blown up sometimes, but you've realized that the explosions have gotten smaller, and the work's getting more fine tuned, and the things that you're passionate about, the things that you want to learn about, the things that you want to be coachable in, you start become start becoming proficient at them, right? Like you get better and better and better, and so then practice turns to failure, practice turns to failure, practice turns to proficiency. And then proficiency turns into excellence. Like like you start doing these things proficient, proficiently and then you create a culture of excellence and safety. I'll say this. Uh, I, I witnessed this on our team all the time at church and and uh, the podcast crew could tell you this. Like we, I, I say it all the time, like let's try something. Let's do something. Like even if it's wrong, right? Like even if we fail, it's okay to fail because it means we're trying. And the more that we practice, the more proficient we'll become and eventually The more excellent, and when you are excellent at your craft, it leads to success. I don't care, I don't care what area you're in. I'll I'll give the simple picture. The first five years that I bow hunted, I was not able to take a game animal. Like I was, I was, I was not able to harvest a deer. And I went a million times. I spent all this money on gear and but I, I kind of bridged the gap every year. I got a little closer, a little closer, a little closer. And now I, I'm fairly accomplished at bow hunting. I, I enjoy doing it. I have a wall full of, of, of trophies and they're not just trophies for trophy hunting's sake, but they remind me of a story. They remind me of a meal. Like, like I have this evidence of excellence in an area that started with a whole bunch of failures and that can be true of you. Wherever you're at today, maybe you're wanting to launch into a new job. Maybe you're wanting to learn how to start coding for, for websites. Maybe you're wanting to start painting, or, or maybe you're wanting to start writing that book, or whatever it is in your life that, that you really want to do. Hear me say this, be coachable and apply the information that you're coached with. Like, Don't sit on the information. Start putting it to work. Start writing little short stories. You want to write a novel? Start writing some poems. Write some short stories. Let your practice be failure. Like it's okay to fail, as long as you're failing forward. Your practice turn to failure. Your practice turn to failure. Your practice turns to proficiency. Your proficiency turns to excellence. Your excellency, your excellence will transform into success. And this is the last point I'll make under number two: the, the the you applying the information. It has to be fearless application of information. When when you try something, like. When I say fearless, it doesn't mean you're not afraid. It just means that you jump off the ledge, okay? Like, be fearless in your application of the information. Say, you know what? I've, I've received all this coaching. I've received, like, I've received all this training. I've read all these books. Now I'm just going to try it. And I don't know if I can fly, but doggone it, I'm going to step off this ledge and see what happens. Fearless application of information. The third thing, the third key uh, for me, it's, this has been huge in my life, is embrace criticism. Embrace criticism. There's a couple questions that you have to ask yourself when it comes to criticism. You know, is it truthful? Is it hurtful? Is it wrong? Is it, you know, is it incorrect information or incorrect criticism? Is it shallow or is it meaningful? You want to ask those things, but you want to embrace that criticism. I'll tell you guys a story. Several years ago, I guess it's been four years ago now, I was, um, I was leading worship. Our band was traveling quite a bit. I was coming in on Sunday mornings, uh, leading worship songs, preaching. And at that time, I I think we, we were at maybe at two services or coming off of two. I can't remember. Anyways, I wasn't very prepared. It was like a two or three Sundays in a row that I was just not prepared to lead worship. Um, my heart was in the right place, I, I think. Uh, but my, my practice and my proficiency was incredibly lacking. I was forgetting some words, some, um, several phrases. I came in one morning and I didn't realize that I was even supposed to sing one of the songs and it was, it was just a bad look. And, um, and it was evidence that I was not prepared. Well, a a good friend of mine, we were in staff meeting the next week and, um, just in a really crass way, really, I mean, some would say even jerkish, you know, if he wasn't doing the audio for this podcast, I would just say he's a real jerk. He looks across the table in staff meeting. He says, hey, man, can I just be honest? Like, you might need to lead worship less, and I'm paraphrasing. You might need to lead worship less, or, or you might need to pump the brakes on your scene because you just don't seem very prepared. You, you just don't seem like you've got it together. And in that moment, I was so hurt. All right, I was so angered. One, because like I'm supposed to be leading this thing, and my boys just disrespected me in front of all these people. He could have had a side conversation and been like, hey, out of the goodness of your soul, maybe you want to think about like sharpening the sword, bro. You're kind of looking dull lately. But no, in front of everybody and staff, he says, you're kind of terrible right now. And it hurt me. But you know why it hurt me? Because it was truthful. Because in the, at the core of who he was, I knew he loved me. He cared about me. He wanted the best for me, and he wanted the best for our organization. So it was hurtful, but it was right. So he, hear me say this. In your life, you're going to receive—I didn't make that story up, right? Like, that's a real story that happened to me and to Graco. <laughs> like, that was this is our story. That happened. And it hurt me, but it helped me more than, more than probably he ever realized. Because I'd led worship for so long that there, in my mind, there had become a plug-in-and-play mentality. And it's not that I didn't take worship seriously, but the practice and the preparation, I had stopped taking it as serious as I once did. And so it really, really lit a fire. And I'll tell you the truth, that conversation, that hurtful, truthful conversation to this day rings in my mind leading up to a Sunday. Did you listen to your song? Bro, you only got a half a song, but did you listen to it? Do you know what you're singing? Do you know why you're singing? Is your heart in the right place? Like, it was so helpful to me because I embraced the criticism. Now, my knee-jerk reaction, like, was to flip him off. Like, like, (laughs) you get out of my face. You know, like, that was my knee-jerk reaction. Like, like I was angry because it hurt me, but it hurt me because it was true. There may be people in your life, and check this out. Just track with me for just a second. I'm going to let you guys get back to your lunch or your latte or whatever you're having, but check this out. There are people in your life who have been speaking truthful criticism in your life and you're not listening because it's been hurtful. Let it hurt you. Let it wound you so that you can grow from it and be healed from it. That was a wound to my ego and to my pride to be called out in front of my staff, right? Like the people that I'm responsible to lead, that was a wound to my ego and it was a wound to my pride, but it was an opportunity to remove something that was sick in me and to be healed. So there's a scar there that I think about when I'm going to lead worship. All right, do I know what I'm singing? Do I know why I'm singing? it? All these things, there's a scar there, but it's reminding me that I was healed from a very prideful and egotistical window of my worship leading life. So lean into those truthful and hurtful criticisms and embrace them. Learn from them, grow from them, internalize them. And at the same time, have other people in your life that can help you decipher and discern when the criticism against you is wrong criticism. Okay, um, I'll give you another example, and I, y'all know I'm always transparent. When I when I was transitioning into uh, the job here that I have now at our church at First Baptist um, to be the lead pastor, I, I I received we received 130 statements or questions about me taking the job from our church family, and there were some statements in there, some criticisms that were insanely unfounded, you know, like, uh, TJ a secularist and, and, you know, is he's, is, you know, his progressive theology, is he going to poison our church with his progressive theology? And I'm like, guys, I've been here 10 years. Like you got 10 years of sermons you can listen to. Like, what are you talking about? But I had to, I had to look those, those criticisms. I looked around at the core people in my life and I'm gonna say, Hey, do you, am I, am I, am I being in the world and of the world? Or am I being in the world and not of the world? Am I reflecting Jesus in a healthy way? Uh, Am I, am I being transparent? Am I being theologically sound? And I was able to bounce those criticisms off people. And there were some criticisms that people said, yeah, yeah, those are, those are right. And there were some criticisms, like the one I just mentioned, that the people who know me and are close to me, they said, no, dude, those are wrong. So those criticisms, I don't embrace. Those criticisms, I file away, right? Like, like, oh, cool. And, and it goes into the trash can. Like those criticisms I file away because I know at the core of who I am and the people around me know that it's not true. I'll go back to the first criticism. I was looking for an escape route uh, when Graco criticized my practice and my proficiency in leading worship. And so I went to two different people on staff and I was like, hey, can can you believe he said that? And this is the, was the first response. The first response was like, well, I mean, you... They were scared of me, but they were like, you seemed a little distracted lately. And I was like, hmm, that's not really the response I was looking for. And like the next one, I was like, can you believe? And they were like, yeah, I believe it. You've messed up three times. You usually never mess up. What are you doing? You know, I was like, okay, here's some confirmation. And so make sure you have that circle of people, those mentors, like when you embrace criticism, that's something that you can take back to your resources and your mentors and your core group of people that pour into your life to know if they're truthful or wrong. You can't reject it based off the fact that it's hurtful because it may be hurtful and incredibly truthful. Okay. So remember, receive information with humility. If you want to be coachable, you want your, your, your coachable nature and your coachable lifestyle to lead you to excellence and success in your industry, in your ministry, in your family relationship, whatever, receive information with humility, apply, apply, the information and I would say it should be fearless application of information and then embrace criticism, right? If it's truthful, who cares if it's hurtful, let it hurt you in the right way so that it changes you. All right. If it's wrong, criticism, cast it to the side and you say, okay, TJ, what's the fourth thing? Start over, start over. You're going to start this process over and over and over and over again for the rest of your life. If you want to be a leader, leaders are learners. You are always going to be learning a new, you're going to be learning a new task. You're going to be learning a new group of people. You're going to be learning a new organization. You're always going to be learning if you want to be a great leader. So probably the most important thing, don't ever get to a place where you think I've arrived. I don't need mentors anymore. I don't need to read other people's writing anymore. I don't need to receive any more information. I have it all together. Forget that junk. Start over. Go back to the beginning begin to receive information with humility or begin to apply that information fearless application of that information and then embrace criticism and you will see i can i can promise you this the areas in your life where you want to become a great leader where you want to be excellent if you apply these keys to being coachable you'll see that start to transform you'll see that start to change and you'll see yourself become the leader that you really want to be listen I'm so grateful that you give me some time to hang out with you. Uh, I do want to thank the team today, and remember, if you have any questions, uh, if you want to write in to the CJ Mullen Leadership Podcast, you can do that under uh, the all the all that information will be in the show notes attached underneath all of uh, these broadcast broadcasts. That was so official, wasn't it? Broadcast podcast, same thing. Anyways, I love you guys. Thanks for hanging out with me. See you. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of the TJ Malden Leadership Podcast, where we talk about life, leadership, and the gospel. If you enjoyed this episode, share with a friend. For more content, follow us on Instagram and YouTube. If you have any questions you would like to ask TJ, whether it is about life, leadership, or the gospel, you can email those to TJMaldenLeadershipPodcast at gmail.com. Thank you again for listening and we hope you join us again on the TJ Malden Leadership Podcast.